From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, and we're glad to have Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host on the line here. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. Today's show features Yvette Hyder-Adams. Yvette is a successful entrepreneur whose history includes being a top executive in financial services and in retail. Currently, she leads a talented team of consultants at Prime Directive Consulting Group. We'll get her to tell us more about what they do as far as consulting and executive coaching. And her firm is outside of Philadelphia, PA. Today we will talk with a vet about her groundbreaking leadership work applying transform, transformative narratives. And before we uh, bring on a vet, Kathy, you want to tell our audience about what they can get from our shows? I would love to, and um, thank you for uh, helping us to um, understand more about transformative narrative by having a vet on the program today. I think we're going to be very surprised and our listeners are going to be very pleased with what they'll learn. But we all know that leaders are truly the heartbeat of any organization. And without understanding how they impact others, they can underperform. And as a result, they can influence how others around them might also underperform. But doing just a few things differently can really improve not only your performance as a leader, but the performance of those around you and your organization. What Relly and I try to do in each and every one of our programs is bring you some kind of advice and self-help about developing more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, and something about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies. We talk about brain and neuroscience contributions, as well as generation and gender differences that impact not only your work-life balance strategies, but how to manage your boss. We also love to give you self-management tactics, tools to be your best, and we also like to bring you all kinds of guests who can bring their tools and techniques to share with you as well. So we're very excited today to have Yvette Hyder-Adams talk to us today about transformative narrative, and we will talk more about that. So, um, really, let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the stats and, and, and the statistics around leaders, leadership, and the importance those two things have on company performance. Great. Well, thank you, Kathy. And we always like to make this uh, evidence-based. And one of the stats that we like to talk about is that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. I remember the first time I heard that, I said, what? That is so huge. But that's why leaders have a tendency to to underestimate their influence. They have 50 to 70% influence over their team. That's why we like to call them the emotional thermostat on their team and because emotions are contagious. And we also know that being a star performer is somebody that we define as in the top 10%. And when you look at it, what are the factors that allow someone to be in the top 10%, about 85% of the factors lie in this world of emotional intelligence 
when compared to IQ, how smart you are, and your technical expertise. And why this magic number of the top 10%? Well, if you can get leaders into the top 10%, like a solid A performer, they produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th to the 89th percentile. And some of the ways to do that, we know you can do training, and training has been documented to show that it can uh, increase productivity about 22%. But if you add training with ongoing coaching, um, it can get a bump in productivity about 88%. So training 22%, and then if you add ongoing uh, coaching to that, about 88%. And we also know that in a day, you can set up some coaching networks inside your organization to allow this to happen. And studies show that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. Kathy's new book is all about happiness in working mothers and getting your employees and getting your leaders to be more happy, which is uh, more involved than just the word says. But Kathy's an expert in that, and that can lead to uh, big bumps in productivity. And if you want to know more about Kathy and her new book coming up, her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching services. And we encourage you to sign up for that. If you're interested in me, Dr. Rowley Nadler, my website is www.truenorthleadership, where now you can get some free emotional intelligence assessments and tools, see where you are and your team is, but also books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching boot camps. So, Kathy, maybe you can introduce... Uh, do Savette, maybe let us know how, how you met her and, uh, and a little bit about, more about her. I would love to. And, um, you know, it's amazing. We know the world is round for a reason, but we don't often experience it as often as I do. It's, it's just a miracle to me that uh, I met Yvette many years ago through our work together doing uh, one of the largest bank mergers uh, on the East Coast. And I'm delighted to continue to call her a friend and a colleague. Yvette uh, Hyder Adams is a very successful entrepreneur whose history includes being a top executive in both financial services and in retail. And she does lead a very talented group called Prime Directive Consulting in uh, the Philadelphia area. And she's going to talk more about what they do and the specialty area that she's about to share with us. Uh, for those of you um, who want to get in touch with Prime Directive, we'll have Yvette provide us with some contact information before she leaves the show today. But for those of you um, who just want some highlights, Prime Directive delivers products and services to prepare leaders to lead changing organizations. And this includes building strategies that integrate diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And they develop executives through coaching, uh, not only to be better at relationships, but to meet business objectives through scenario planning and building strong teams. I think what Yvette's organization does is masterful, it's innovative, and it really breeds uh, a new business culture through authentic relationships and effective infrastructures. Now, the use of narrative and story in this process has proven really effective in facilitating organizational change with approaches such as appreciative inquiry, narrative therapy, and building business strategy through scenario-based planning. All these tools have been used successfully when designed for personal and professional development 
by Yvette Hyder Adams and Prime Directive. So welcome to the show, Yvette. Uh, thank you, Kathy. Glad to be here. Well, that usually how we like to start is find out a little bit more about you, your, your background. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work in the field of leadership development. Well, I started several years ago, although I'm still a young pup here, <laughs> <laughs> while I was an executive at Sears uh, and later on at Macy's uh, in the training and employee relations um, area. I managed those two groups, and while there, I was always very interested in seeing uh, new department managers succeed in their roles. So later on, a little fast-forwarded, from my retail life, I got into the banking world. I had a wonderful opportunity at the first bank where I worked to um, specifically design a management and leadership development department. And my work there eventually grew into acquiring all of the training and development, employment, and employee relations for the bank. Mm-hmm. So sort of like a recruiting, developing, and retaining um, leaders right from the beginning. So that was really kind of the start, and that was some 20 years ago. Funny how time flies when you're having fun. Huh? It sure does. Now, um, tell us a little bit about the people who have been most influential in your thinking mm-hmm. as a teacher, as a coach. Uh, and, you know, we heard a lot about your background as an executive, mm-hmm. um, but I know that in your life you've had so many influential universal beings uh, help you and support you. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about them. Well, when I think about, I think my teachers come in many shapes and sizes, so I I like to talk about those who have um, put their words on the page because so much of my work has to do with narrative. I was probably greatly influenced by Stephen Covey, a lot of us who are in that, um, I'm at the end of the baby boomers and the the beginning of the Gen Xer generation, and um, his work with the seven habits of effective leaders, I think was such an important piece of writing um, that that came out in the 80s. And so um, what that did for me, I think at that time, even though I had worked in, you know, as a training manager, developing managers, it helped me understand the difference between management and leadership. And um, that was a really important piece of reading, I think, for me. Not just the one book, but I started to look at um, Stephen Covey's other books uh, very deeply, and and they really spoke to me. I also was really influenced by Bell Hooks, um, who's considered a cultural critic. And her work um, really... uh, brought it home for me around how oppression hurts everyone. She did a lot of work around racial and gender oppression and would look at the historical experiences of um, black women and um, black women living, dying, and thriving under um, male and white-dominated social structures. So she really taught me about that experience, the historical context, and ways to really heal from um, those social constructs and um, and be about love. So um, that was an important teacher to me. I also like to think of um, Jean Baker Miller, who um, who did a lot of work on relational psychology. And for me, she really helped me think about my natural way of wanting to work relationally in order to build um, um, uh, strengths and, and, and have it go back and forth, not to feel as though that um, to be in an either-or paradigm, to be in a win-win mindset. 
uh, a lot of times I would enter into the workplace with that perspective in a genuine way, and it would come across as not being trusting or not being authentic. And it was quite disturbing as a leader to, to kind of be shunned off that way. But um, in learning from Jean Baker Miller's work, she really helped me uh, give some context around why that's so. And then last but not least, I would say uh, a lot of teachings from the Buddha, written by Thich Nhat Hanh. I mean, I love his writing, and I think that he makes a lot of the uh, uh, information from the Buddha very accessible. And I find all of those teachers influencing uh, me in terms of writers on the page. Well, that it's a very powerful story that you've patchworked together here to give us an introduction to your work. And we're going to ask you to pause on that thought, and we're going to be right back to learn more. This is Leadership Development News. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Homeowners, real estate investors, bankers, listen up and tune in to Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight, the show that breaks it all down and gives it to you straight. Are you at risk of foreclosure? Interested in buying a foreclosed property? Mark Bull has the answers to the questions you might forget to ask. Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight broadcast live on the Voice America Business Channel, Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. You can't afford not to tune in. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. 
You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Devette Hyder-Adams and uh, she works at the Prime Directive Consulting Group and does consulting and coaching. And so we're just getting into what were some of uh, Yvette's uh, influences that she mentioned. And uh, one of the things you did mention, and I just wanted to get your definition because I think we're all in the leadership field, how would you define the difference between management and leadership? And this is really more so for our audience listening because everybody has a little different take on it. You're so right, really. Everyone does have a different take. Um, as I describe the difference between management and leadership, a visual comes to mind. I can remember in, in a program I was in once where they had someone holding the ladder, um, and then there was a, a figure uh, at the top of the ladder kind of looking out over top of the ladder, that, and they could see the whole valley. And then the person holding the ladder was looking down below to kind of looking at the people who were at the bottom of the ladder really supporting the bottom of the ladder, so to speak. And so I kind of think of that visual as yeah. management and leadership. You know, I expect leaders to have a vision, give some guidance and some direction um, to really go through uncharted waters. And I see management as the people who are the folks that really get it done. They have the tools, the access, they have um, the responsibility, they have the strength in order to help actualize that vision and that guidance and that direction. So that's the definition of leadership and management that I carry in me. You know, and I think, I don't know if you got the same visual I did from Covey, because they talked about the leader, if people are chopping down trees, the leader's at the top of the forest saying, which, <laughs> yeah. which forest to chop down? <laughs> right, right. And everybody's below chopping down the trees, so you've got to make sure you're chopping in the right forest. Mm-hmm. So how would you define, um, for our listeners, transformative narratives? Yeah. What transformative narratives are, it's really a process for change where you take reflective writing such as journaling. Journaling is one form of reflective writing. And you do deep listening. And for me, deep listening is to listen without interruption, um, without judgment, and also sharing your own story. And to do that in a way that you can facilitate change. Now, how that happens is that when people are writing and they're listening and they're story sharing, what tends to happen is that people will pick up some what we call mindful habits, habits that they know that they need to change for themselves in order to um, really live the life they want to live or do the kind of work that they want to do. Most people have the answer inside of themselves. They don't slow themselves down long enough to stop and see. It, you know, it's funny how you just said that. They don't, they really don't. They don't mm-hmm. stop themselves. And I know that um, in my experience as an executive prior to being a coach, um, it's, it's almost impossible to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that a lot from executives. And, and when we talk about mindful habits, we talk about that being a choice point. 
you know, we either choose to stop or we make choices not to stop. But the choice is always in front of us. And then we make up stories um, about what would happen if we stopped to really take time to reflect and, and really look at our lives and the kind of work that we do and what we're doing in our work. And I think it's such an important time right now in our culture for us to really stop, take a breath, reflect, and really access the intelligence that each and every one of us has. So tell me, um, how did you get started in this work of transformative narrative? You know, I, mean, I know about a narrative therapy as a psychologist. When I was in practice, that was one of, one of my last kind of orientations was a narrative Therapy and, and uh, Epstein and, and White and mm-hmm. some of their work uh, was was very fascinating and great work with clients. So how how's that come about and how do you use that in uh, organizations? Well, you know, transformative narratives is really closely tied to narrative therapy. I've studied uh, extensively with um, with um, White's work as well as Epstein's, and so um, I, I definitely am familiar with the approach. What's a little different here is it's sort of like a combination between um, psychology, creative writing, and some systems change theory. So that's how I would dis, uh, describe transformative narratives. Um, in terms of um, how I started working with it is that uh, I became really interested because I'm an artist. My background is as a musician and as a writer. And, you know, growing up you know, in the 60s and 70s, you always told, uh, no, 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 you can't be an artist or a musician, you can't do that, you better find a real job, you know, go work in business or something. So I had this kind of like what I call right brain, left brain thing going on, that I went into the business world where I was able to really quickly advance and do well in the business environment, but I never really left that artist part of me behind. And so um, as I progressed through my career, I wanted to find a way to bring them both together. And so I was able to find that through a graduate program that I participated in in that Garter College that was called Transformative Language Arts, and it dealt with specifically dealing with um, individual and systems change using the, the written and the spoken word. So I was able to, you know, take a look at my career and the work that I did in change management and say, well, we overlay, you know, creative writing, narrative, psychology into the mix. What might that look like? And so the transformative narrative um, emerged from that study and that research. So it's really a, a very intentional process. When you look at the integration, mm-hmm. the intersection mm-hmm. of your life as an artist, as an executive, and as a coach. Do you, uh, when you work with an individual, do you come at them from any one of those roles initially, and then fold the others in, or how? Like, how do you start to use? transformative narrative when you work with leaders? A a big way I've used them, you know, they're usually attracted to the groundedness and the fact that I tell them, hey, I'm a, you know, artist, corporate, you know, I call myself a corporate hippie artist, (laughs) former banker. (laughs) They kind of like that language Uh, uh, because what I've discovered is that there's a lot of hidden creativity within people who are in those um, oh, those realms. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> i give you a case in point. I've had a, at least three executives that I have worked with in the past four years uh-huh. who have had a fantasy of being in a rock band, uh-huh. and they actually spend their weekends actually playing as musicians right. to keep that love alive. 
Absolutely. And, you know, we, when people think about, well, how does that match? I said, where do you think the innovation and creativity comes from? <laughs> you know, it comes from that same space. So for me, I don't see it as a disconnect that people could, you know, be a banker or, you know, be any other type of executive and still have the, um, this artistic drive. But how, how I tend to work with um, uh, the leaders, particularly if I'm working with a group of them, I will introduce them to a poem, and, you know, they'll kind of look at me and say, well, a poem, you know, this is different for a leadership retreat. So we might open up with a poem, and, and we'll talk about, well, how does this poem speak to you? Do you see yourself in this poem? Do you see this group in this poem? And out of that discussion of that poem, some very rich dialogue takes place, because a lot of times the poem, and it's always intentional on my part, because of course I would have interviewed people before um, getting together, the poem is selected to kind of raise an issue or raise an awareness or kind of put an issue out on the table that individuals or the group might be grappling with. And so... um Looking at so will they start off kind of looking at a, a poem almost like as a projective technique, or or do you actually have people kind of write some things? I'm just trying to uh-huh. see how that works. You know, one of the people um, Kathy mentioned we interviewed was Jim Lair, and he has this this thing. It's a narrative. Uh, his book, uh, The Power of the Story. I'm looking at it now. Uh-huh. The, new, the new story and the old story. Right. Um, but so how do, so how does how does that go about let's say if you're working coaching with someone how what would you do well part part of the coaching how i would use it with the individual is um you know to kind of acknowledge your journey one of my favorite poems to use is the one by mary oliver called the journey and in in that piece she really just talks it opens up like you know one day i finally knew and i did what i had to do (laughs) and i'm thinking you know when i'm working with someone in the coaching world who hasn't been in that place? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> here I am. I know what I have to do. So it relates to the executive at a personal level. Um, usually, and again, it depends on the executive because it's different in every scenario. I'll ask them to write their own journey poem, you know, using that as a model. Sometimes I'll even script it out for them where they can just fill out the blanks. And when I've done that kind of a thing with the individual or even with teams before, They've had a profound emotional experience from sitting down and writing their journey in the format of a poem because no one, A, has really ever asked them to do that, and they have hit a level of awareness that they typically would not have in, let's say, some regular talk um, coaching process. Sometimes I'll get further with them in a poem than I would with three sessions of coaching. You know, that's fascinating because I remember what Jim Lehrer was saying, the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's something, and he kept saying, Kathy, maybe you remember this, is putting it, putting your hand to the paper. Yes. And there was something about that that really did change than just talking about it. It becomes very personal. It's very deep. It's very personal. You've hit a core to a person. And I always give my clients the option of sharing or not sharing what they write so I don't become the inhibitor. If they write something that they just can't speak in that moment, I said, that's yours. That's not mine. That as you're talking, there's um, a word that I guess you've used in the past mm-hmm. that shifts the word narrative. 
mm-hmm. to leadership narrative or mm-hmm. transformative narrative to leadership narrative. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the difference there? Yeah. Well, one of the ways that I have worked with some leaders um, who in companies who want to tell their story, uh, there's some people who I coach who want to uncover and discover their stories, and those are the folks that I usually work with in a coaching capacity. They're trying to find their purpose if they're along the right career track and so forth. Um, with leadership narrative, I'm usually working with a CEO or a top executive who wants to leave their legacy behind, and they have a story that they want to share, that they want to tell. And it's way beyond a um, a bio or CV, and it's not you know, writing an, a memoir or autobiography, but it's in the likes of, let me tell you something about who I am, how I got here, why I lead the way I lead, how I believe I add value, and to do it in a way where it's a powerful story, that it's not one that seems like that I'm trying to sell something, that it makes the person open and authentic, Mm -hmm. that that particular leader can either leave with their organization, leave with their family, or maybe later on they might want to make it into a book. You have so many people say, oh, I wish I could write a book about my life as a leader. Well, that's That's, the making of it. And I was just going to say that's probably an exciting jumping point for many of our listeners. So I'm going to ask you to pause on that thought, and we're going to come back to it in just a few seconds, a minute or so. We're going to go to a break and come right back. This is Leadership Development. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, 
and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. i got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. We have the fortunate opportunity to talk to Yvette Hyder Adams. She leads the team of consultants called Prime Directive Consulting Group, and a very unique way of, of dealing with uh, leaders and CEOs. And before the break, we were talking about the leadership narrative. And um, Yvette, maybe you can talk a little bit more about you know this leadership narrative. I'm just kind of thinking about a leader that I'm working with now who's just taken over the organization from someone who's been there for you know, 10, 12 years. So with someone like that, you'd have him write kind of what what legacy, what he wants to accomplish? Right, right, exactly. If he wanted to write his story about what he's accomplished and uh, what he feels good about, you know, regrets, decisions that he, you know, may wish he could redo, you know, hit the redo button type thing. It's a very uh, thoughtful um, reflective practice, if you will. And it leaves the executive feeling really good and whole as they transition. And also it gives a good piece of knowledge. It leaves a good piece of knowledge behind for the um, successor. So it can be used in, in some pretty substantial as well as creative ways. And then how, what, how would the successor, because I'm also dealing with him, how would, what would he do to kind of, he's just getting started? Yeah. Well, one of the things that, um, that I always find, and I don't know whether the successor um, is due to the organization or from within. He's, he's, he's within, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I always find helpful is to have executives do what we call a 360 approach, um, which I'm sure you're both very familiar with, but our approach is very different where we use what's called a multi-voice storied approach, where we have the executive um, just like a regular 360 uh, all-around feedback instrument where you identify your um superiors, you identify your peers and the people who report to you. Um, we ask them to do the same type of, type of thing. Um, but what we do is that we provide them with several story uh, messages where they go out and they collect stories from people that they've worked with about themselves and about how they're viewed um, 
out in the organization, how they might be viewed at the team level, um, what people have noticed or heard at the individual level. So it's a way to kind of collect these stories mm. about themselves. But instead of a coach going out and doing this work, the coach works with the individual around creating it. And the people who I've had go out and use this process have come back and reported that they've had the most profound um, career-changing conversations that they've ever had because of the way that we presented the 360 approach in the form of we're telling a story. And we tell the people that, you know, the story can be real or a story that you make up, it, you know, real or imagined. And the real or imagined piece is that, you know, I always say the truth is always somewhere between um, reality and, and um, fiction, you know, yeah. <laughs> that um, you never really get the whole story. So we offered them a way to introduce the process so people feel a little bit less off the hook. Because on those 360 instruments, people tend to say, right. okay, what am I going to tell you just so I can get this thing checked off or so I don't get my boss mad about me or they're going to know I, I was the one that said X. Well, if you're dealing with people face-to-face in a story-making type thing, I mean, you have the choice in the, you know, in the moment to either say how you feel, make up the story, or not. Now, is the, is the leader facilitating this or they just get it out someone else facilitates it actually the leader i've worked it with the leader actually facilitates oh, that's great yeah yeah and so it's been it's been really now of course where it becomes problematic and we do something different is that if it's in a really tough um relationship dynamic then we might adjust it a little bit where the coach will work with the um leader where the coach maybe will get with that person but for the most part we try to have the leaders we try to have them confront even the difficulties it, you know, I, I'm listening to the conversation and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. integrating what you're talking about. How does one get chosen mm. to be the facilitator if it's not you? In terms of the coach? Yes. On the coaching? Well, one of the things that we do is that uh, at our company is that we are offer a transformative narrative coaching um, program, particularly for coaches. This will be something that will be started in the summer because um, I've trained a lot of people in doing this work, so it's just not me that's doing it. We actually started this last year, actually. And so we have a team of coaches that we're currently working with who help facilitate this process. But the idea is to uh, work with other coaches or people who are consultants who have done coaching and to give them another tool in their toolbox to use for their coaching practices. Okay. Now, what if you're not particularly good with words or writing? People like me who have to hire great writers like you to help us write books. <laughs> well, yeah, I hear that all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you deal with that? How have you worked with leaders uh, using your gifts of transformative narrative, I mean, wh- how do you do that? I think that the biggest part of the gift is to, first of all, have the writer understand that they are a writer, that people's ideas about who is a writer goes into that, you know, what they see in the Barnes & Noble shelf. And I say, if you, you need to realize before it even hits there, it's gone through about 101 iterations that first came out like stick people on the page. So to really affirm that people have a voice. So I spend a good part of my time convincing and, and, and encouraging the person that they have a voice that's important. And so, first of all, is to have them get comfortable with writing themselves on the page. And then through a lot of positive 
positive feedback, affirming where their words are really strong, being really curious about areas that that didn't feel like that you understood, but to do it in a way that is supportive, authentic, and not judgment judgmental. The feedback that I get back is like, I never thought what I had to say was important, and now I'm writing all the time. I feel way more comfortable with my ability to write on the page. So a lot of people have a fear of writing, and I spend uh, a good part of the relationship time in um, having them feel more comfortable with their own voice. You know, I know just from the emotional intelligence and competency of a self-awareness and accurate self-assessment that that writing's got to be a wonderful tool in that whole personal domain of just understanding themselves and and do they typically respond to questions or do you do sometimes what's called spontaneous writing um we do both i i give them prompts you know which will question or statements that they complete and then they just go the spontaneous writing um, really we call that free writing where I would say um, I might give them a list for instance we do list exercises all the time where we have people you know number from one to a hundred and I said list the first thing that comes up to your mind around um, the economy you know I'll pick a topic <laughs> And so people will just write down 100 things. Well, I don't have 100 things to say. I say, I don't even want you to think about it. Just put 100 things down, even if you repeat yourself. So a spontaneous thing would be, you know, if a person will write down, you know, my brother Charlie, my brother Charlie, my brother Charlie, five times. And then I'll have them go back and say, you know, well, what did you notice about what you wrote? What were the things that most jump out at you? And all of a sudden, you know, again, it comes from that unconscious place. I'm really worried about my brother Charlie wearing this economy. My brother Charlie doesn't have work, and this is how I'm feeling. The pressure's on. Mm-hmm. So then I get them to write a piece around, you know, express what you're feeling about your brother Charlie. So that's just like a, a, a real small example of how you can, um, you don't necessarily have to start at a blank page. You could do something as easy as a listing exercise and really get people to push to tap into their unconscious space um, to see what comes up on a page and have that as a jumping off point to do some exploratory writing. Well, it's funny that um, as you're talking, I was, in fact, going back to the conversation we'd had um, with with Jim Lair from the Human Performance Institute on stories, mm-hmm. and um, he said it takes on average about six rewrites for someone to feel that they're ready to actually share it. Does that fit with your experience? Actually, uh, he his, his is way shorter than mine. I say eight to twelve. Wow, <laughs> it's okay. about eight to twelve. It's about eight to twelve rewrites, and um, and when people feel really grounded. And and the iteration is really important because that's where the real writing begins is in the iteration, not in the first three, what I call spits on the page. It's when you're really looking at the words and you're making um, deliberate word choices and you're paying attention to what you're writing and you're restructuring it. And you're going, wow, wow, I can't believe I said that. Well, not only that, but I'm just thinking about our listeners. And Mm -hmm. that's a compelling message because, you know, as authors, Mm-hmm. Uh, all three of us who are on this call know how long it takes to write a book professionally. Exactly. And it's almost something that most people who I'm sure are listening are daunted by. It's like, I don't know how long it would take me. Well, to your point, expect 8 to 12 yes. changes yeah. of what you first put on a piece of paper and then multiply that by what you think it would take you to get your story across. Absolutely, and and you know if you're talking about publishing it, then that's not even including the editor looking at it. <laughs> so you know, once the editor gets to it, that's a whole other process. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
so you're right. Now, so you're able to do this, and I can picture it with coaching and kind of a, as a homework assignment, and then they come back and mm-hmm. uh, back and forth. Um, do you also do it with, like, with executive teams? And if so, what, what does that look like? Yeah, I do it with executive teams, but it's interesting when you talk about it as homework. I actually do it in the moment with them. Okay. So we might have a 10-minute writing exercise, um, you know, given whatever topic that we're dealing with. And I actually write with the client. So it's not just my client that's doing the writing. I'm writing with the client. And then we both share what we wrote. So it puts us at a place of um, this is the relational piece modeled after um, Jane Baker Miller's work where it is more relational in nature. It's just not the client just doing all the exposing, but it also gives the coach you know, opportunity to kind of share as well in a different way. Uh, and again, you know, managing those boundaries too. So it's a, it's a really unique process. So, so you're sharing your ideas about the same mm-hmm. thing with them. Right. Well, you know what, We're, can we come right back to this idea before mm-hmm. we lose it? I want to make sure we get a break in here. And um, we'll all come right back to this discussion. And you're listening to Leadership Development News. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Dad, let's sing 
that bedtime song? Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science. But it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. We're talking today with a vet, Hyder Adams. Uh, she leads the Prime Directive Consulting Group. And so some fascinating things that we're talking about of how you're using narrative and then we are first talking about how you use it with uh, individuals and a little bit then with a group. But um, you also use it as a scenario thinking tool mm-hmm. uh, in, trans- in transformative narrative work. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Well, some of the scenario thinking work um, – scenario-based planning type work, a big component of it is um, creating scenarios or stories that depict plausible futures. And um, when you get to that portion of the scenario planning process, it could be something very generic or it could be something, you know, very clear and um, creative. And I tend to like to work with uh, the business group in uh, creating and painting a very clear future using the, um, the narrative process. So they're basically writing a story, not only the story of what they're imagining um, the plausible future to be and, and, and to create a story as if it were happening, but they also ha- have them create what happened, how, what did they do, what steps they took to make that uh, future happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that particular method of using the story becomes really powerful because then they could see it. It's like, well, you know what? As I started to write down what we did, I think that's possible. I think that we could actually make this happen. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the the creative and innovative way that you can work with leaders and their businesses and to what I call be what they imagine. Yeah, I guess I'm really fascinated um, by by all of this because I know that you know, most companies want things done post haste, mm-hmm. you know, very important. Um, you know, brevity is the key, you know, let's get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, can you comment on the issue of using writing in transformative narratives? Well, I, I think you're right, Kathy. Um, brevity is the value when you're talking about um, people that sit, particularly in the C-suites, and the idea of really sitting down and writing something that's full and, and what I call a luscious narrative um, feels like an unproductive investment of time. However, one of the things that I, I regularly share with the executives is that you, you spend so much time 
reworking and redoing that if you spent the time, invested the moment in the beginning to really kind of write through and think through what you imagine, that you would spend less time doing a lot of the rework that happens as a result of making quick and, and poor decisions. Um, when I've really worked with this, to have people and, and leaders in particular sit with their narratives and really think about how decisions are made, to really think through how they get executed, um, you know, how we're really leading into the future in, in real and substantial ways. When they take the time to do that, they come out with better, more thoughtful decision making versus um, reworking and, and uh, you know, and trying to um, you know, it's just like kind of stick your finger in the in the holes, if you will, of waters pouring through. You know, you you really need to take the time to to um, do more thoughtful planning, and so. If the executive is willing to take what they consider the risk in doing so, they usually find a very positive result. Now, is this kind of like at a maybe a uh, half day, full day off site? When do they each do it individually? And then, you know, when they're talking about the scenario thinking, then do they share it, you know, and try to come up with some kind of combined narrative? Well, when we do the scenario thinking, that's more like a multi-day um, type of retreat with leaders. But you're right. You know, they're sitting down, they're writing, and they're sharing. The writing and the sharing is what takes up the space. First, again, as I shared before, is having people feel comfortable in writing their words. So we do have to establish a lot of safety uh, around people's language and their words and, and, and what we do with them. And so that's an important investment of time. Then you can really get people to unearth their thoughts around where business should go or, you know, some idea that they've had that they've been sitting on to give quiet time, reflective time, and then writing time, then reading and sharing time so that when they're sitting with their colleagues around ideas for what's possible, then they're thinking, wow, you know what, we might be able to do something like that. We hadn't thought about that. So that's all the possibility thinking. And I'm just thinking about... um, Mm -hmm. You know, the buy-in that you have, and maybe to, to do that, I, I'm sure it's very fruitful when they do it, but there's probably some obstacles or some limitations, you know, that you have to get through to, to get them uh, to that spot. And how, how do you usually deal with that? Well, you know, it's that whole piece around, um, you know, executives not wanting to take the time to sit still and write, number one, or really the fear of writing is a big thing. I I feel like that's the major obstacle. So we usually start off with some drills. I had given you the listing example. A lot of times we have people, um, you know, start with just visual images. So we said, you know, we don't want any words. Um, We'll give them, you know, magazines or, you know, postcards or something like that for them to really begin to build a picture of what it is that they see for themselves. If we're doing scenario planning, if we're trying to create a plausible story, a future story. And, um, and then we work with images and then shift those images into language. But the ideal is just for people to feel comfortable with the fact that, you know, their words are important. What I, the, the, the feedback that we get is that you made me feel safe. You made me feel safe that I, you know, that I didn't feel stupid or that I should have known more. Um, I felt like I was clear that you understood me. So there's a way that we do this where people feel safe in their language and words. And, um, you know, we're, we're in a gotcha society. If you say the wrong thing at the wrong time in that C-suite, you know, you're looking at yourself on CNN taken out of context. <laughs> 
So, um, so I can understand that. So part of it is is really creating a safe space for for these leaders to come in to express themselves in the way they need to, and then for us to make sure to give it meaning through having them write the story, not me as a consultant or coach. They write the stories. Now that we, we've been talking a lot about the content um, and the how tos of your work, and I'm sure there are listeners who are trying to figure out how can I how can I find Yvette Hyder Adams or Prime Directive or learn more? Is there a, a best way to contact you or to reach your organization? Sure, I'm going to give you several ways. Uh, if you want to just explore the transformative narrative work, you can go to www.transformativenarratives.com or you could go on Facebook uh, and just type in Prime Directive Consulting Group and you will see us on Facebook. You can also go to our website, which is primedirectivecg.com. So, um, and you can also Google Yvette Hyatt or Adams. <laughs> so there's lots of ways you can get us, and our telephone number is 856-662-5399. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, if, is, there a, um, is there a way that people can understand the beauty of your work through perhaps one of your poems or a transformative narrative that you've done yourself? Oh, let's see. I, I could probably... <laughs> Within a quick second, give you a poem that yeah, I, just I just put you on the spot there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and as you're looking, I will say to our listeners: uh, every year, I relish uh, Women's uh, History Month mm-hmm. because my friend Yvette Hyder Adams uh, sends out to all of her friends in her network not only a poem but a little packet of cards. And I would ask everyone who's listening to think about doing this, whether you're a man or a woman or in business or at home, whatever it is. And she says, take a few cards and send them with a poem about something in your life that matters and thank them for contributing to your journey. And it's just a beautiful thing. So that will end with your poem. My poem, because this is me transforming at this point, from uh, my son just turned 18, and he's on his way to college. He's in his senior year of high school. And I am, um, oh, yes, I'm so glad to see him grow up and be out. And then it's like, no, don't go, don't go. <laughs> so, uh, so I wrote this poem for him that's called Boy to Man. And, it's, and it goes like this. One leg at a time, the boy steps into a man. What is a mother to say and do? Cheering crowds, mouths, let him go. The 18 and 21 of it comes anyway, like cherry blossoms. Rise and fall, my chest pumps hard, feeding cracked fingernail tips that claw at my own back, skinning the only thing I know to be true. I love you. My hands wet from my eyes. It tastes like peppermint, sweet, stinging my tongue. That is amazing. 
Thank you so much. Thank this you, has been Yvette. Leadership Development News with special guest Yvette Hyder Adams. Join us next time. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.